All right, welcome to the Peyton Years, your home for Oregon State men's basketball, the only podcast in existence dedicated solely to Oregon State men's basketball. I'm your host, Andy, and as always, I'm joined with my by my friend, Sam. How are you doing today, Andy? Did you have a good Christmas and shit? I did have a good Christmas and shit. It was nice. <laughs> I spent some good time with my family. I think it was, for me, I kind of enjoyed uh, a little quarantine Christmas where you didn't have as many parties or obligations to go to, and you could just kind of spend that family time. So I, I enjoyed it, honestly. It was kind of nice, wasn't it? To ju- Yeah, usually it's such a hustle and bustle time of year. Exactly. Um, and it was good to just kind of relax and, and reflect on what a crazy year this has been, particularly for the Beavers, where we're at with the non-conference slate done. We've got a, we're, you know, we're kicking off the new year uh, with, with our second conference game. And I'm, I'm excited to get a, a fresh start, so to speak. Definitely, definitely. So you had a good holiday then? Yeah, it was low-key, kind of similar thing as you. Spent some time just in my parents' backyard on Christmas Eve and, uh, Enjoyed some beverages with the roommates uh, on Christmas Day. Enjoyed some of those NBA games. Perfect. All right. Well, great. When, like Sam said, it's uh, Oregon State's looking to have a fresh start going in the new year, and we're going to prep you for that today. We're going to go over uh, previews for the next two conference games for Oregon State, starting with Stanford on Thursday to open uh, the last game of 2020, and then uh, following up with a little preview of Cal on Saturday. And then we're also going to do, hopefully, our first interview ever with new grad transfer, Xavier Malone-Key. So also very excited for that. Stick around for that at the end of the podcast. Yeah, it's going to be great. He's a, I think we're all set to go. Um, I talked to him on Twitter earlier today. Shout outs to him, even if it doesn't work out on our end for being it's, cool and being down to hop on with us. It's a hundred. If it doesn't work out, it's 100% on us. It's nothing on him. Uh, he is a god to me for wanting to be on this podcast. Yeah, he's for sure, regardless, our favorite player. He is the strongest link to the program we currently have. And yeah, I'm I'm stoked to talk to him, hopefully. Definitely. So we're going to get into all of that. But uh, first, like always, the Oregon State fight song. I let it go a little longer because, you know, it's the end of the year and you've got to get those in while you can. It's the final fight song damn near of 2020. Yeah, let it let it go a little bit. Let it go. Let it play. On that note, let's look ahead to the final game of 2020. Oregon State taking on Stanford on New Year's Eve at 3 o'clock on the Pac-12 Network. Sam, what are your thoughts on the game? What are we looking for? Well, let me just say before I get to, to some of the, the quick notes that I, I have on Stanford, the, the three o'clock tip off for New Year's Eve is absolutely perfect because, um, yeah, you know, I think we both plan on celebrating a little and vibing um, to a safe degree um, and watching that game like real drunk at like eight o'clock on New Year's Eve is pretty sad. Yeah. And I would do it. I would. It doesn't matter. They could have it at 10 p.m. I don't care. Um you, that's that takes precedence but three is perfect because that's really before the festivities really begin the sun will be out it's a nice way to kind of get into the evening so that, for, first and foremost the tip-off i love um 
It's going to put a pep in your step, definitely. That's the perfect pregame to your pregame, I would say. Or absolutely, because, yeah, there's no way that it's going to do anything but improve my mood for the rest of the evening. Um, 100%. So here's here's what I'll say about Stanford is that uh, they I think that they're, they're pretty talented. They haven't looked great, but they've played a lot harder schedule than the Beavers. They've won four in a row. I didn't think they'd beat Arizona. That surprised me. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a pretty good team. It's the best one they've seen in a while. Uh one the uh, the one stat I don't want to do too much numbers and 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 whatnot, but they are two hundred and ninety ninth in threes per game, which um surprised me that they were that low with mm-hmm. some some like Mills and some some pretty talented perimeter players. But their best player is Oscar De Silva. He's going to be a problem. It probably means that Roman Silva is going to start again. Just that on its own, having their best player being a a six nine big. And well, the only a Silva on Silva type thing is that Wayne's going to see Silva. He's going to think we have a Silva too. Get right. He's even taller than this one. <laughs> so yeah, the, obviously he's going to have him out there to not do the tip off. As I, I'm, I'm going to make that a thing on every podcast. I'm going to point out that he starts at seven one seven two and does not do the tip. Mm-hmm. Um, so it shows you what what kind of athlete Silva. I'm sorry, I'm getting a little bit negative, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's the end of the year. Get it out. Right. Exactly. Well, so uh, here's here's the the positive I had for on the Beaver side is that uh their advantage is on the boards. They they are their rebounds per game is and opponent rebounds is both better than Stanford. Obviously, mm-hmm. the fact that Stanford's played Indiana, Arizona, North Carolina, Alabama, um, and maybe one more. T- I oh I watched them play Cal Bakersfield. Thought they were they were decent as well so they've had a good schedule and that's probably a big reason why but that is where the beavers potentially yeah have the one uh, obvious advantage yeah i think so i want to piggyback on a couple of things you said because a i definitely agree this is going to be the best team that oregon state has seen all year by far um like you said stanford's a talented team they played a tough schedule they went to the uh I want to bring it up just because I think it's so funny. They went to the Maui Invitational in Asheville this year. They still held the Maui Invitational, but they just held it in Asheville. Which and I still called it that, yeah. They still called it the Maui Invitational. That's <laughs> um, So Stanford went there. I watched a couple of their games in that tournament early on. They lost to North Carolina, and I think they beat uh, – they beat remember. Alabama by like 18 points. Yeah, they beat Alabama. They lost to North Carolina. I also watched uh, some of their Indiana games. So – yeah, they're five and two. They have a couple. Their two losses are to North Carolina and Indiana, which are both yeah. top twenty-five programs. So good, good losses uh, to borrow an Oregon State term. And then, yeah, they blew out Alabama by twenty points. They beat Arizona, so they're a good team. I think, like you said, they don't shoot the three at all, and that's because their best players are two wings. You mentioned Silva, who's averaging about eighteen a game. He's like six nine, six ten. Then they also have a star freshman who's probably going to be a top ten draft pick when it's all said and done, a one and done. Zaire Williams, who's like six eight, six nine. So that's really they play through their forwards. And yeah, he's ultimately probably going to be like a wing guard. Williams, I mean, in the NBA, right. but uh, uh, he's not much of a shooter yet. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that exactly like like you just said that kind of explains why their offense goes through those two guys and they don't shoot a lot of threes. Well, they're a big, long, athletic team. They attack the rim hard. Um, I have this stat, not to get too in the weeds of stats, but so they're on a four-game win streak, like we said. And over the last four games, they've outscored their opponents in the paint 164 to 86. 
So they're just living at the paint. They're wow. living at the rim. So I think I do think definitely we're going to get Sylvan there. I think you're going to see a lot of Tucker. I think you're going to see a lot of Vendela. I think you're going to see Wayne stay big for a lot of the game just because Stanford's going to be living at the rim, and they've got the athletes to do it. So we're going to need to throw our big bodies out there. It, I think this will be the earliest Wayne goes to 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 the 2-3 zone. We really haven't seen a lot of 1-3-1, one, and maybe he's saving it for conference teams because it's been such a big thing for him in the past. And so That's we true. may see some more of that. We I wouldn't be totally shocked if he just started the game that way. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think he has been holding up his sleeve for conference play, which is, you know, starting right now. So I, I do think we could see it. It has been Wayne's go-to. Another thing I think you're going to want to look for on Stanford, I think someone who could have a really big game for them is their point guard, Dejon Davis. He's second on their team in scoring right now. He's like 6'3", pretty athletic, gets to the rim well. Um, it's good, like, face-up game. And that just, over the course of the season, has been really hard for the Beavers to guard. And so this is going to be their first time guarding, since Matt Bradley and Bonton, really, guarding a Pac-12 point guard who's a Pac-12-level athlete and ball handler. So I could see him going off for a lot to- yeah, I will say the one thing um, that the Beavers' non-conference games consistently gave them was a really good point guard to go against between Ollie, even uh, the Portland State kid. That was their best player was the dude that brought the ball up for them. And not The that Wyoming point all, guard was good. Like, obviously, they've already played Bonton. They've already played against uh, uh, Bradley. And then um, I'm forgetting the, the other guy in their backcourt. And he's State's pretty good player. In Cal's, I mean. Oh, yeah, I can't remember. He's a pretty good player, too. Uh, so they, they've seen a lot of uh, Jackson from UTSA had a terrible game, but right. he was their best player. Um, but, yeah, the thing with most of those dudes is they were all 5'10", 5'11". Right. And uh, this dude, or Davis, is 6'3". And, yeah. like you said, gets to the rim, scores a lot in the paint instead of just a guy that can shoot it from anywhere and you got to guard him at half court and stuff like that. Yeah, he's going to be a different type of point guard than we played. So hopefully that's a good point that you bring up. Hopefully all the battles that we've had going into uh, through non-conference will prepare them to help take him on because I could see him going off. I think looking at the OSU end, a couple of keys for us is going to be just maintaining passing. Right now, Oregon State leads the Pac-12 in assists per game. So. Which is shocking. And I'm, I'm that is an encouraging sign, obviously, once now that these are the teams we're playing against. But that also just doesn't say a lot for college basketball right now, frankly. It's weird that we lead the conference in assists because, like, when you watch our offense, it doesn't necessarily flow. We don't have a very smooth offense, tends to bog down a lot. I will say, I think, not to be a hater, but I think this could be that we don't have a lot of people who make their own one-on-one shots. So if people are scoring, it is normally off the catch, off a pass. No, the minute that Xavier Malone Key becomes eligible, he will be the best like shot creator on the right. team by far. Mm-hmm. Right now, it's technically Reichel, and he's he's number one in the conference in assists with four and a half a game. And <laughs> shout out the Pac-12. I can see why nobody why nobody bothers with us. Yeah. Um, on on the Reichel note, this is a really interesting uh, little stat that Oregon State had on their website for the pregame uh, for the preview of this game. So listen to this. So Oregon State is four and one this season when Reichel gets the double figures. So I think he low key is a really good. I don't know if he's it's up to us to get him rolling or if he's just kind of a barometer of like okay if Reichel's scoring that means things are going well. But I think he's an important sign. You're gonna want to keep an eye on how he's doing during the game, and that's gonna dictate a lot of. I think Oregon State's chances of winning. 
Yeah, he's going to have to have one of those, get at least 10, 12 points, pull down five, six rebounds, and get his four or five assists. Zach Reichel-type best-case scenario games for the Beavers to, to have a chance to win. Yeah, he does a little bit of everything, which is really important for us because we need a lot of help with a little bit of everything. <laughs> Gianni Hunt, too, is going to have to guard Davis if they're going to play any man-to-man at all, I would think. I don't know yeah. who else is going to do that. Yeah, maybe Ethan Thompson gets on him a little bit. Probably. I bet, bet you'll see Ethan Thompson. I wouldn't be surprised. I think you'll see Al Tiche start on Silva, and I would I would imagine Thompson on uh, Zaire Williams, just trying to match our best athletes with their best athletes. And then, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I don't know who you get on uh, Davis. We'll be curious to see who starts. because There's a lot of matchup type things going on. I know he'll want to get Silva in, but it might be better to get a third guard in there. And this, I, I'm not going to make this point over and over and over again because we could say it about every opponent the rest of the year, but it would really help if Xavier <laughs> w- could get eligible quick. Yeah, we need that. We need another scoring punch for sure. Um, I would also like to see one other thing. Um, I, I just want, I want Kalu to get more involved in the offense. I think we really need to run some pin downs for him or something because right now he's shooting, he's leading the Pac-12 in three-point percentage. He's shooting a ridiculous 56% from three right now, which is... And he's taking three or four a game. I mean, it's not that he's, like, barely above the minimum. No, it's true. He's he's taking it. But the thing is, I want him to take even more, and I'm a big believer in this kind of uh, thought line that if you're shooting over 48% from three, you need to take more of them. You need to be taking enough... With that, I know you're a good shooter, but you need to be taking enough threes where you're down to that 48% so we can really get all we need. Like we need Kalu kind of, he never forces the issue. We need him to force the issue a little bit, I think. Right. It, it, I mean, we get that from Lucas and, and anytime you're talking about the, the Beavers are in the top 90 in the country in three point percentage. And it's because of those two guys. Yeah. Um, but L- Lucas is fine with, you know, like I think I said it on the last podcast that if he's going to make three or four a game, I'm fine with him taking eight or nine or even 10 threes to get to that. Exactly. And Kalu is the same thing. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I think we're both in agreement. So do you want to do a pregame uh, prediction for the OSU-Stanford game? Yeah, I mean, there's no – I'm going to go Beavers 68, Stanford 67. I think that De Silva gives them problems, but the, the fact that Stanford doesn't hit the three is going to give them problems. The zones will be effective. I, 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 we've all seen this – script play out a thousand times before especially with road games it's um, true and so and or no this is in corvallis is it not it's um i'm not sure i'd have to check it doesn't them. matter um, it doesn't it doesn't matter it would normally matter but it literally doesn't right. matter well year. i will say that right now because of uh the county santa clara county that the that stanford is in they have to play their games in uh the warriors g league affiliates it's, it's it's at Oregon State. Okay, it is at Oregon okay, State. Okay, thank goodness, because that court is just awful to look at. But um, <laughs> so it does matter a little bit. But yeah, I mean, obviously, wherever it's played, we've all seen the script play out that I'm talking about a million times. You know, Stanford's going to go cold in the second half. They're going to forced to be forced to shoot some threes. They're not going to make any. The Beavers' advantage on the board is going to play out. Thompson and Lucas are going to hit big shots and make their free throws down the stretch and. And uh, they, I said they're going to win by one. It really, it won't feel that close though. It'll be one with like Stanford making a three at the buzzer that stopped a string of like fourteen misses in a row or something <laughs> okay. like that. 
I love that prediction. I'm going to go a little bit, I'm going to go in the different direction because I think one of my new year's resolutions is I'm going to try and be more realistic after, after re-listening to the podcast where I predicted the Beavers finished fifth in the conference, I'm, I'm going to try and step back and really see things for what they are in reality. Right. See, I haven't been forced to, to look in the mirror, have a, have a moment like that where I'm you on wax. Been, yeah. You have a, I mean, we record ourselves on this and put it out, but we stay pretty grounded, but to listen to yourself on someone else's podcast, kind of get goaded <laughs> into your true feelings, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he knew exactly what shout outs to Seth as, as we often do. And he but he knew exactly what he was doing on <laughs> yeah. that. So I'm gonna go a little bit the opposite direction. I just don't I think the athlete, I think the talent disparity is gonna be too much uh right now for Oregon State, especially coming into the conference. Um I think it's gonna be a little bit of a blind side after playing UP in Portland State and Texas San Antonio to get caught up with Stanford athletes. I think that's gonna take a good yeah four or five minutes for our team to adjust to it. I'm going to go a Stanford victory, probably 82 to, I don't know, 68. I'm giving them a 14 point margin. We'll keep it respectable. It won't be a huge blowout, but I don't think the Beavers are going to put too much of a scare into Stanford. Sure. We'll have the, the, the faux Beaver comeback. We often see where it, they, they did cut it to eight at one point, <laughs> right? They were down at one point, much more than 14, but it fizzles out, you know? Yeah. Exactly. Going on to a much more attainable game. The first game of the new year, Oregon State plays Cal, a rematch of the first game of the season. Uh, Sam, how are you feeling about that game? Obviously much better than, than either of one of us do about Stanford. Uh, the Beavers have beaten Cal. Um, Cal is n- not half the athletic team that Stanford is. Uh, no. I do, but Bradley is great. Their freshman point guard, whose name I'm forgetting, is a pretty good player. I like Antisevich. He's a pretty skilled big. Yeah. And so I think it has realistically the chance in, to be a pretty damn competitive game, depending on how Bradley plays. The fact that it's in Corvallis as well, if I'm not mistaken, right? It is. Um, yeah. Will help some. Uh, yeah. The, the, the Beavers have an answer for, for the things that Cal does best and what they bring to the table. Definitely. I think this is definitely a, an attainable, winnable game. And if we're not going to finish last, as Wayne's promise, uh, we got to win it. Um, it's going to be huge for standings for that uh, purposes. But yeah, they play on January 2nd at 3 o'clock. So another early uh, afternoon game on Saturday. Cal is 5-4. and four. They're 0-2 conference. They do have a three-game win streak right now, but it's against teams like San Francisco and Seattle U. So you can't put too much staking it and plus they're going to play a U of O on Thursday so I imagine they'll probably get run out of the gym uh in that yeah I mean pretty similar level of competition to the Beavers Mm -hmm. uh honestly but they and I know they won three in a row but I would argue that as disappointing as some of the Beavers non-conference games have been overall uh they handled it a little bit more impressively than Cal did Pepperdine blew them out yeah, I would say that like one thing that I think is really that as I sit back and reflect on our non-conference as we head into the main stretch of the season is that we played a lot of close games, like you kind of alluded to earlier, and that's mm-hmm. super valuable. So our team is used to being in kind of dogfights. They're used to playing to the end of the whistle, uh, the end of the half. And I think that's going to be big against Cal because I think it is going to be a close game. I just don't think Cal has had that necessary experience that Oregon State has. And I think we come out on top. I think we have good matchups for Bradley, and I think our bigs are too big for Cal. Like, they don't have a very big team on the inside, and I think we really feast. It plays directly to our advantages. I agree, and I mean, we were dancing 
um, after the Beavers perform. I mean, more so the, the Northwest game is what I think sent the expectations down in a direction they shouldn't have gone. But uh, <laughs> they look, the Beavers looked really good against Cal, and it's because they're a little bit more athletic. And Alatiche, I think, is, is the biggest difference maker. But it's a game that Andela could play a big role in. He's been getting better. I mean, he hit the game winner, essentially, against Portland State. And I think those shots will be there against Cal, too. Yeah. Definitely. I would see, I think Andela's going to play, see his role increase as the conference goes on and we need him against the more athletic bigs uh, that we've been playing. I think he's definitely going to get more run. Uh, you want to give us a prediction for Cal? Is it, I, I will. Uh, and again, uh, maybe after the new year, I'll have to look in the mirror and, and make a concession <laughs> similar to the one you've made, but um, I'm going to go Beavers six. Uh, no, I'll go Beavers 79, Cal 68. Very similar score to the first two times they, or the first time they played. Um, mm -hmm. Big advantage on the glass. Kalu will, Kalu's going to have a big time game. Definitely. I hope, I hope so. Fingers crossed. I'm going to go on your tiff, and this is with my reality goggles on. I'm going to go Beavers 80, Cal 72. I think that's going to be an early uh, conference victory for Oregon State, no doubt. And, and uh, we'll take splits, uh, especially with one of the losses being against a team that's probably going to finish in the top four or five. I think that puts the Beavers in a pretty good way. Stanford is certainly tourney bound. I think it would be safe to say if Stanford doesn't make the NCAA tournament, it would be a huge uh, letdown for them it, as a program. It, um, yeah, and uh, there's that key phrase, good loss, potentially. Uh, that's <laughs> one that if we keep it close with them, if we out-rebound them, that helps the Ken Palm. Yeah, that helps the Ken Palm. NIT's looking at that. They're eyeing us to the side. If there is an NIT this year, it might not be deemed. I would necessary. just like them to announce the field because that is one <laughs> of the biggest, most painful things about 2020 is that they told, I think they, with the win over Utah, were solidly in the NIT field. Just let us know so we can go to sleep at night. But we, it wasn't obvious enough to really know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a Schrodinger's uh, cat situation. <laughs> right. There. Absolutely. Um, so maybe it's better not to know right now. <laughs> who's to say? Um, all right. Well, we're going to come back and we're going to do our first ever interview with a player, the recently signed Xavier Malone key, uh, grad transfer from Fairleigh Dickinson. So we'll be right back with that. Stay with us. All right, cool. I'm going to, so hold on one sec. Can you still hear me? All right. Welcome back. We're here with our first ever player interview on the Peyton years. We're here with new grad transfer, Xavier Malone, key Xavier. Welcome. Thank you so much for being on the program. No problem, man. Anytime. Perfect. Xavier, we've uh, talked a lot about your highlight tape and kind of uh, extolled your virtues on the past couple of podcasts since you signed, but just uh, could you introduce yourself to Beaver Nation and kind of describe what type of player you are, or maybe what they're going to be getting uh, from you? Um, basically I'm a player that, you know, I, I want to win. Um, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a minded, I'm a minded scorer. I have a scoring mentality, but also like the, you know, pass to my teammates and get my teammates involved and, you know, start the flow of the game like that. Uh, I like my, my best attribute is probably getting to the rim and creating for myself on the offensive end. And I don't know, uh, maybe that's that's what Beaver Nation has been wanting. That's what, what we I'm, need. Absolutely, from, yeah. We did, we, from what um, I've been hearing and things like that, you know, me and Coach Tinkle and Coach Marlon Stewart have just created that bond. 
And um, I'm definitely happy with my decision on coming to Corvallis, and I'm looking forward to this next year. We we are very happy with your decision as well. And I'll just say for those of you that haven't watched him play the way Andy and I have, that was pretty modest, man. This dude dunks on people. Your game is very <laughs> fun to watch. Um, and we need – we um, I won't make you listen – to Andy and I talk about the current team too much, but what what it, it lacks most, in my opinion, is a shot creator, and that is something that you're very capable of. So be excited Agreed. to see this, dude. So are you still in Philly right now? Yeah, I'm I'm back home. Okay, Philly. so are when when is the when are you planning on getting out to to Corvallis? Um, I should I should be headed out there with probably around like May. Okay, cool. I'm I'm focusing on getting my degree from FDU because I'm still like enrolled in uh, online classes. Got right on. Okay. Yeah. What are you majoring in if you don't mind me asking? Communications. Communication. Perfect. And then yeah. so, so you finish that up and then you come to Oregon State and get like a, a master's or how does it work? What do you what do you do? Yeah, I'm, the plan is to come there and get a master's. Uh, you guys do offer um a grad program that I'm interested in. So the coaching staff, uh, Coach Marlon Stewart, he's just in contact with my academic advisor. Here at FDU, and we're handling all that stuff like you know, as we speak. Perfect, dude. I love to hear it. Yeah. Good luck with that. Um, so just kind of talking, looking at your college career, because you've kind of you. This is going to be your third school, right? You started off at Ryder, then you transferred yeah. to Fairleigh Dickinson, had a great couple of years there, double digit score, two years in a row, and now you come yeah. to Oregon State. So I was just kind of curious because you've just seen so many different types of coaching and different like styles of play, like. I don't know. Is there anything that's kind of stood out to you on your journey, your college journey, or what have you kind of learned? Um, I've definitely learned that hard work is very much needed at the you know the Division One level. Mm-hmm. You know, coming out of high school, uh, coming out of high school, you know you're just more athletic than everybody, and sure. things of that nature. And you we know, can't you relate, to, but yeah, I'd imagine. <laughs> yes, I- <laughs> right. Once you once you get to you know Division One uh, collegiates. Everybody's athletic. Everybody could dunk. Everybody's fast. Everything like that. So you got to find that niche on how to separate yourself. Um, and yeah, that's about it. But what I would say I, I've taken from you know all my pit stops on the road is uh, my coach at Fairleigh Dickinson, Coach Greg Horinda. His just passion for the game is just unbelievable. Like, like he bring he brings like fire to practice more than. To put sometimes more than the players do, which is usually unheard of. But, <laughs> right. You know, he just, he just, you know, gave me the platform and gave me the opportunity to showcase my abilities and, you know, why I belong. And, you know, now it's just time for the next journey in my career, which is Beaver Nation. And hey, we're happy you're part, part of the journey for sure. Yeah. So, what was it? Um, Your top five schools, uh, that at least <laughs> the list that I read, and correct me if this is right, but it was a, uh, in addition to Oregon State, it was Georgia, Montana, and uh, was it Charlotte? Uh, North Texas and uh, North Texas, yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, so what was it – first of all, how did you get to that final five, and what was it that led you to choose Oregon State? Um, basically, that 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 five were – those five schools – because, okay, so I entered the portal about a month ago, and like a week into the portal, probably like – Anywhere from like twelve to fifteen schools reached out um, from different conferences, like the A10, uh, some MAC schools, CAA, SEC, and Pac12. And um, I just felt like Oregon was the best 
decision for me because if I'm going to make this, you know, my career, I need to mentally isolate myself and get myself mentally prepared for not being close to home. Like, what place is that better than Oregon where a kid like me from the East Coast, thousands and thousands of miles away from home, and I'm in a pretty good league, one of the top leagues in the country, and I'm able to, you know, showcase my abilities against all the teams like UCLA and things like that. And, you know, just the, the relationship I created with Coach Wayne Tinkle and uh, Marlon Stewart, it just blew, blew me away. Like, the amount of loyalty they showed me. And it felt like I was talking to, like, you know, like one of my homeboys or something. Like, it was crazy. And That's amount, awesome. And the amount of love Beaver Nation showed me, you know, throughout the process, it just was a little bit sometimes overwhelming. But it was <laughs> great, though. We're an intense group at times. Yeah. But, yeah, we, we, love, we love our own. Right. And that's the type of that's the type of people I feel like I need to surround myself around, especially for this last rodeo. Yeah, um, you mentioned recruiting a little bit, and I was just kind of curious: is like being a grad transfer being recruited? How much different is that from being a high schooler or being recruited to college, or is the sim- experience similar? Um, the only difference is uh, maybe because you know, as me being a grad a grad transfer, I'm a little I'm I'm older, so. A lot of a lot of a lot of young teams in the country are looking for you know that veteran guard with experience mm-hmm. to kind of help mold the group and bring a lot of the younger guys on board and you know get that team rolling. So it's more so like a a leadership role. Like Coach Wayne Tinkle, you know they they stress to me, you know, obviously we know we're not bringing in a, a grad transfer to be a role player, right? You no, know, it's it's about winning and being tough and, you know, me being a Philly kid and we're also bringing in uh, this kid from the Bronx, you know. Dejon Davis, who is a heck of a player, a heck of a scorer as well. Yeah, so that trying to, you know, create that that one to that tandem or, you know, something like that. And, you know, embrace the culture of uh, Corvallis and that's about it. Perfect. Uh, Sam, I think you had one more question, right? Yeah, so before we let you go, um, well, I got to – I did watch um, an interview with you. It's it's our research, our homework before we did this, and uh, it was a, a cu- about two years ago. And uh, you were asked about it was right around the time that uh, Tom Izzo, Miss- Michigan State's coach, uh, was in the news a lot because he blew up on a player in a tournament game. So a lot of people saw it, and you basically said that you don't mind that from your coach. Right. And um, as as Andy and I have both coached a little bit of high school basketball in the past, and I don't know that I would ever try to get that intense, but mm-hmm. I I would love to coach players that wouldn't that don't mind being coached that way. And um, yeah. is that part of what you liked about Coach Tinkle and Coach Stewart? Uh, yeah, you know, it's all about how you respond to things. Everything's not personal. You know, I've learned that mm-hmm. though. You know, I was going into my my fifth year of being a senior and things like that. I've, I've been around all different types of personalities and coaching methods and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. It's just all about, I've learned that it's all about how you respond. And, you know, all these, all the coaches are trying to do is, you know, get the best out of you and, you know, help you reach that max, maximize potential. Beaver Nation is, has, has definitely experienced some adversity. So it's nice to know, yeah, man, you, you seem like you got a hard nose about it. I love that. So before we let you go, though, um, Andy and I would be remiss if we didn't make sure that you, you're a member of Beaver Nation now. So you got to start hating the Ducks a little bit. <laughs> I know you're from Philly. It's not really a rivalry out there, but 
So right. I just I have one fun fact just to get it going a little bit. And if you ever want to jump back on, I'll have some more okay. duck stuff to know just to make sure you're aware of what we're up against a little bit. But um, they um, they claim without reason or fact that their football stadium is the largest or the loudest rather in the country. It's not. I've been there. They also say right. before every game, it never rains there. It's annoying. Um, <laughs> hopefully you'll experience a rivalry game there as a fan someday. But um, the man, it's, it's called Otson Stadium. And who, who do, where do you think the man that built their stadium graduated college from? Oregon State. <laughs> Oregon State University. And so that's just, I've got a million of them. I won't take up too much. But yeah, that just for now, uh, yeah, it, we, we got to make sure that you're on the, the duck hater bandwagon with us. <laughs> no, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm all bees, man. Hell yeah. <laughs> That's what we love to hear. Um, Xavier, thank you so much for being on, man. Uh, good luck with all your schoolwork. I hope the end of your college career over at Fairleigh Dixon goes well. We can't wait to get you out in the court. Really looking forward to next season. Again, just thank you so much for being on. Yeah, we'd love to have you back sometime. This was awesome of you, dude. No, no problem, man. Anytime, just reach out. You know, I'm, I'm down. <laughs> Hell yeah, we'd love to get your thoughts on some of the, the games uh, as we get into conference play and stuff. Okay, no problem. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much, Xavier. And uh, we'll get back to it with a little uh, shout outs and bygone beef here in a second. All right, guys. See you. Thanks, man. All right. Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much to Xavier Malone-Key for taking the time out of his day to humor us and do our interview. That was awesome. Yeah, that dude's the man. Officially the the favorite uh, member of of Oregon State men's basketball um, uh, on this podcast, even De- though definitely as of now he is strictly an observer <laughs> along with us. The one, yeah, the one negative I will say, and I didn't want to cut him off, was that I was really hoping that he was going to say after Christmas break I will be in uniform. I don't know why I thought that. That's not how it works, but. It would have been nice if he was saying, hopefully, by the Arizona game or something like that. But well, it's good to at least know it, so we can move on with our lives. Yeah, you you literally heard it here first, so that's right. That's breaking news for everyone. Um, are we journalists now? Are we officially sports journalists? I think so. That's what I went downstairs just now um, and and used that word to describe what we just did to my roommates. So so I think, I think that makes it true in an era where you can. Uh, Self-declare that you're a journalist. Shout out Jake on the streets. I think we are self-declaring ourselves as journalists. <laughs> yeah, not only that, it, it a good shout out. I don't know that uh, Jake Silberman listens to this, but um, he, he can't does possibly. follow. <laughs> he, well, he's aware of its existence. He does follow it on Twitter. Uh, he's a friend of the pot. I've made sure he's aware of this. I'll put it that way. Okay, perfect. Um, all right. I said I had a bike on Beaver, but what I meant to say was, since we're journalists, we're also watchdogs on the media, and I have a piece of beaver bias that I feel like we have to talk about before we leave this show. We got to so, end 2020 by lamenting the bias against the beavers one more time. That was an awesome interview with Xavier, but yeah. If you're an Oregon State fan, you know what the beaver bias is. If you're not an Oregon State fan, I'm personally shocked you made it this far in the podcast, but I'll explain it to you. It's the fact that the mainstream media will never ever give Oregon State its due. So we have to turn to alternative media like me and Sam to really cut through the bullshit. Yeah, and those of you that are listening to this and have been listening to this know that already. But um, those newer to Beaver Nation, such as Xavier, and it's always a shock to the system 
to just see how real it really is. It's true. It's it's. I hate to use the term red pilling, but it's it's about yeah. as close to that as you can. Um, all right. So the piece of media beaver bias that I wanted to bring up is the Oregonian, the Oregon newspaper, put out its uh. top sports stories of 2020, and they completely, not even in the honorable mention, left off Trace Tinkle becoming the all-time leading scorer for Oregon State. That's a publication that I, my patience with in general, for a number of other reasons that we don't have to get into on this podcast today, but we probably will eventually, frankly, um, it, it's testing my patience anyway. So for, yeah, just to clarify, this was a top 10 list with how many honorable mentions? Uh, it had top 10 list with, <clears throat> let me see, scroll to the bottom, three... Five honorable mentions. So did not Oregon State get a new all-time leading score in basketball does not make the top 15 stories of the year. In other words, the, the, at best, Trace Tinkle becoming the all-time leading scorer at a Power 5 Division <laughs> I college program isn't e is the 16th most interesting or impressive storyline of this it's, past year. That is so astronomical. The list was really, really, really duck heavy. So much to the point that I won't even read off the list and like uh, give it any sort of dignity. But I will let you know that the fourteenth, the the fourth honorable mention spot went to the reconstruction of the University of Oregon's Hayward Field finally become complete. <laughs> so, uh, for all of those track and field enthusiasts, you definitely know. Yeah, so the reconstruction of a wow. few more impressive. That's that's the beaver bias for you, right in the face. That is, like, that buckles my knees how shocking that is. It's not a good place to oh, be. Oh, man. Um, all right, so now that we've all perfectly uh, summed up how much the media hates Oregon State, we can move on. That's all we, I have. We can move on We could go on for hours if, if we wanted to. Just just let that simmer. Yeah, I was about to ask where Peyton Pritchard fell on it, um, and now I just don't even want to know. It's such we, a horrible list. We're not dignifying that list anymore. <laughs> That's, yeah, that we, we've proven its legitimacy already. That's true. Um, do you have any shout-outs on our way out? Uh, well, just to Xavier one more time and whoever that was in his family that politely gave him the living room to do that with us as well. Shout out to you. Um, he talked about Marlon Stewart. It is possible that a member of the Stewart family listens to this as well. So we are getting in with them. Shout out, shout out to that possible member of the Stewart family. Um, and I will also give a, a pretty vague shout out. Shout out to whoever gave us not a review, but a rating. We're up to nine ratings, all five stars. We're 100%. Uh, yeah. Blowing Hopefully out. It's... Go ahead. I was say we're blowing out the Believe in Pac 12 basketball. <laughs> yeah, we might have to find another, another uh, measuring stick eventually, especially if we get to double digits. Very um, true. By New Year's. Um, all right. Well, so we'll check back in on Sunday. The next time you hear from us, it'll be a new year, a new decade for Oregon State basketball. And what a glorious decade I'm sure it will be. Thank you so much for listening to the show. We love each and every one of you. Reasons to celebrate everywhere you look. Everywhere you look. And as always, fuck the Ducks. Fuck the Ducks.